holiness because of your sin. So that's why we come to the cross. Keep seeking the thing alive. And so we left off last Sunday talking about verses 1 and 2. Keep seeking the things above. We want to be all about Jesus. We're consumed by him, his plan, his purpose, his character. Whatever Jesus has in mind for, for your life, your life, your life, my life, that's what we're about. So next slide. And we don't want to set our minds on things of the earth. And that's what this verse 1 and 2 was telling us. You know, it's too easy to get consumed by the here and now. I'm telling you, in light of eternity, the problem you're having with your neighbor ain't going to make a difference. So get over it. You know, you might have to be the one who takes the, a dose of humility first and, and, and goes and asks for forgiveness. But whatever you're dealing with, financially, sickness, disease. If Jesus is there with you, trust that he has a plan. He'll take you through it. Your character will be built through that. And in light of eternity, it's not going to be that big of a deal. So knowing what we believe determines how we think, act, and live. You need to believe the right thing, stay focused on the right thing, seek the right things, and then you can live the right things. And then I think that's sort of where we closed off what do we have next there, Ed? We have, this is where we finished off. So Colossians 3 and 4 is where we begin this morning. The idea of Jesus has got to practically become our life. For you have died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. So we'll begin there. All right. So I'll skip here, slide 20. Why is it that he needs to be your life? Because if we've been paying attention with the two scriptures we read from Galatians and Romans and then almost all of chapter 2 of Colossians, he taught us that we're already dead. Dead people don't have much of an agenda, do they? You don't see a lot of day planners being sold at the entrance of the cemetery, right? There ain't much going on. You... He says you died. So if he says from there that our life, when he talks about death, he talks about two types of death. Because of sin, this world is broken. It's not what it's supposed to be. So when you enter into this world, you enter into a story that's already been going on. The world is broken. There's sin. You're spiritually dead when you arrive on this earth. So that's one type of death. And he calls it, uh, the sin nature. That means you're spiritually dead. But because of that sin nature, he's also saying that there is a second death. When you realize what Jesus did on that cross, and you accept that he took the punishment for your sin and my sin, there's another death that happens. You die to yourself because you're now in a relationship with Jesus. So that old man, that old life, that old sin nature has now been cut off by what Jesus has done on the cross. Now, if you don't believe that or you're still struggling with that, we can uh, go to thornhillbaptistchurch.com. There's a lot of sermons from Pastor Ken and myself on this series, and you can listen to the ideas of Jesus dying for your sins and the new life in that. So we cut off this old sin nature, and it's the one that's always concerned about everyday things, the here and now. You're, you're so focused on what's on the agenda and the calendar that Heavenly things are just not a part of your thought process. So he says, your life is in Christ. It's hidden with Jesus Christ in God. 
And now at one point, you know, somebody can say, well, you know, it's my life. It's my life, and I can do whatever I want. And I got to hear, I got to tell you this. If you're a Christian, your life is not your own. You can't demand your rights. Not to a former life that you died to when you accepted Christ. When you surrendered your life to his, it's no longer your life. So with that, we find out that he says, you have died to the old self. You're hidden with Christ in God. But what does that mean? What does it mean to be hidden in Christ with God? Well, the first thing it brings to mind is the idea of security. And then the second thing it brings up is the idea of satisfaction. But let's focus on security for a second. When he says that your life is hidden in Christ with God, the reason we think of security first is because this is God. This is Jesus, the creator of the universe. This is a big deal. So the one who created all of this, the one who sovereignly controls the universe, the one that the Bible says that neither life nor death nor angels or demons, powers, principalities, nothing can separate you from the love of God. This guy, this God, says that your life is in him. And that gives us a pretty good sense of security. So there's security in knowing that our life is in his. It's hidden with Jesus. But there's also satisfaction. Satisfaction guaranteed. And that is that he is to be the source of our joy. He is to be the source of our contentment, the source of our satisfaction. So there's security and satisfaction if your life is hidden in Christ. Now, here's, uh, here's something I want to share with you for those of you who like little play on words, uh, you're into language and stuff like that. Um, this is something I learned. Anybody who picks up a commentary on the book of Colossians or any other book, you can learn these things. This is where I wanted to mention when we went on our missions trip to El Salvador. Everybody brings the books. You know, we got the Bible, and then what else do you bring? And I noticed that Kevin Gable, yeah, he brought a book. He brought a commentary to the letter to the Romans. And I thought, that is a good example. I mean, you find out things that you can't learn unless a pastor shares them or a teacher or someone preaches them. But you can buy a commentary or borrow one and find out amazing things. So, See if you can follow along with this. Little nuances here in uh, Colossians 3, verses 3 and 4. So let me share this with you. First, early Christians regarded baptism and dying uh, as dying and then rising again. And when someone, someone was dead and buried, these Greeks, philosophers, they spoke of that person as being hidden in the earth. And what Paul is now saying here in the scripture is, you've died but it's a spiritual death. You're not hidden in the earth. You're hidden in Christ, in God. And, I, and it's a fantastic play on words because they would have got it. That audience would have connected with that right away, going, oh, these philosophers say this, but he's saying, Jesus, our life is in his. So there's a play on words going on here. And he knows that the Greek audience would have picked up on that. So here, it keeps going. He doesn't finish there. There is a word for... These false teachers had hidden books of wisdom, and they were called apocryphoi. And now, these books were only available to those who were in the accepted group. You had to be in the club, and this special little group with secret little bits of wisdom, you had to be worthy of receiving this extra knowledge. And now what Paul does is he takes this same idea of apocryphoi, and he says this. 
He takes the same root word and he runs with it. He says, your life has been hidden in Christ, and he uses the word apocritine. And what he's saying is, for you Greeks, mostly, the treasure of secret wisdom for you is hidden in all these secret books. But for us, as Christians, as members of Thornhill Baptist Church, as followers of Jesus, Jesus Christ himself is the treasury of all wisdom. And we're hidden in him. And that would have knocked the socks off the Greeks because they had an idea that only them, only they had all the secret insight. But in Christ, you've got all the wisdom that you need. The truth, the truth, the truth. Read what Jesus writes in his scripture. And that's just, it's a couple of verbal jabs that's going on here. So those of you that don't think that the Bible has a battle of wits and wisdom, it does, and it's right here. So... A little bit of trash talking going on between Paul and the Greek philosophers. So, we're hidden in Christ. He is the epitome of all wisdom. Now, we go to verse 4 and it says, When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Now, I don't think I put this on a slide, but somebody has said, Music is her life. Sports is his life. He lives for his work. And all these people are saying is, there is a joy. There is an alive part that comes out of a person in these certain areas. And it's also said that, no, I didn't come up with this, but it sounds really good. It should be on a t-shirt. You can write this one down. Life is what you are alive to. Life is what you are alive to. Talk to a kid. Talk to a kid about... Bring up their favorite game. You talk to my nephews, Benjamin or, or uh, Matthew, about Legoland or Mario Kart. Actually, you talk to anybody about Mario Kart, and they come alive. It's a fascinating game. But talk to Peter Vandermeulen about Minecraft and watch his eyes open like this. Ask somebody about their favorite sports hero. Ask, ask William about the Stampeders and John Cornish, and you've got a friend for life right there. See, Ask people about their favorite things. Ask my wife, Debbie, or Lisa, or Christy. Ask anybody about their favorite dessert, favorite meal. And if you're asking me, ask me about my favorite movies or hockey, golf. And, and we come alive. We get excited about these things. Talk to a teenager about dating. Talk to people about the arts. Talk to David about origami, Joseph about music, or the Montanez guys, Jason, Cara, a lot of you love music. And people, they come alive. They get excited whether they're listening or singing. It doesn't matter because they're passionate about it. They just, they love music. Now, Debbie and I, we take a guitar class. There's another example. You know, sit in a class with Jordan teaching us guitar, and he comes alive because he loves to teach, and he loves the guitar. Sunday school teachers, they come alive when they're with students, and they get to share the good news of Jesus. You know, talk to Riley or Tony about cars, and their eyes open up. You know, you can talk to Jeff or, or Dwayne or Francesca about the Edmonton Oilers, and, and they're... They, they probably will find a corner to go hide in and cry. <laughs> they don't quite come alive yet. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. But you, let's finish with these illustrations. You talk to our young adults about getting their license, driving a car, you know, going to college and university, freedom, and they come alive. You talk to parents about their children. Talk to people about their families. You know, talk to Pastor Ken about preaching. And you, you can't get him to stop. He loves preaching. He'll talk to you forever about it. 
or Mary Lou and Christine about prayer. But the point is, you talk to people about the things that they really, really enjoy, and dare I say they love to do, and they come alive. So life is what you are alive to. And Paul is saying that in Jesus Christ, he is your life. You should come alive when Jesus is brought up. You should get excited the same way that those other things make you excited. Christians ought to be getting excited when Jesus is brought up. Amen? Amen. You should be excited about the opportunity to come here and worship. Not just coming here and singing on Sunday morning, but singing everywhere. In your car, in the shower, at home, walking the dog in the park. You just I don't care if you're playing football or hockey or golfing. Whatever you do, the movies you watch, the jokes that you laugh at, whatever you do, do it in a way that... You're worshiping Jesus because it becomes a lifestyle. It becomes a habit of being a Christian. And the things that you do, you're thanking God for it every step of the way. God, thank you for this meal with my mom and dad. Or thank you for that conversation with this, this person. And thank you for this moment this morning. Thank you for your word. Just always be connecting with Jesus. And we should be excited about the opportunity to learn more about our faith and following Jesus. And when Jesus comes up in a conversation, we should get excited. Like, hey, this is good. This is what I was waiting for, you know? This is like everything else I was talking about, I just wanted to get to the Jesus part. And now you come alive. Everything else was just a filter. Now we're on to the good stuff, Jesus, and share him. There should be a part of us that comes alive. Why? Because Jesus Christ is our life. And that only happens when it's more than theory. When you're more than a Christian on a piece of paper when you check off what religion, your census, Christian, yep. No, there's this ongoing conversation in the world of Christianity that says my faith needs to go from my head to my heart. And that's, a, that's the farthest distance in the world for some people because they can only, they're only connecting with, with God and the scripture and Jesus in their head and their mind and they haven't made it to the heart yet. And yet if you're waiting for your mind to have all the answers to all the questions about faith and following Christ, you're never going to get there. You will run out of time. At some point, you need, you need to go here and you need to say, hey, is what Jesus is saying, he is the son of God, the way, the truth, and the life. If that's real, I need Jesus. You've got to get to the heart. So you've got to get to know him. And the only way you can get to know him, I say it, I think every message, every sermon, is you got to crack open the Bible. you got to be reading and listening to God through the scripture. You see, you cannot grow as a Christian if you're not reading the Bible. That's as simple as it is. We cannot preach that enough. This is where the preacher goes, you got to read your Bible. No. You get to read your Bible. There's a lot of people in this world that aren't allowed to read the Bible. You can go home. You can put it on your iPod. You can turn the radio on. You can talk to your neighbor. You can crack it open in the lunchroom at work. Some places in this world, you will face penalties of, even in the worst case scenario, death for even having a Bible. So take that freedom. Run with it. Get to know Jesus. All right. Let's put that all together. How do you master the mind? How do you master your mind and live differently? According to the book of Colossians, it's not by personal discipline. Oh, if, I just, if I just try harder, if I just think a bunch of positive thoughts, I can do this. 
I, I, certainly not by doing that. You can't do it by doing the best you can. He lays it out clearly. If you want to master the mind, he will give you the ability to overcome sin. He will give you the ability to take every thought captive. He will give you the ability to stay focused on Jesus even when everything else seems to be falling apart. But how do you get to that way of thinking? Those three pieces. We need to keep seeking the things above. That's, chap that's verse 1. Verse 2, we need to keep setting our mind on the things above. That's verse 2. Verse 3 and 4. Jesus has to practically become a part of your life or become your life. How do we apply that? Be consumed with Jesus, pursue him, love him, chase after him. Matthew 6.33 is something that we need to, again, if we don't have that underlined or memorized, we need to, we need to do that. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first Jesus. Seek first the things of heaven. Start there. And then it'll play out down here. When you get up in the morning, you say, God, I want to get to know you. Help my mind stay focused on you today, Lord, all throughout the day. You know, you read biography after biography. You talk to people who know this Christian and this Christian who made a difference in the kingdom of God, made a difference in the world. And one common trait that all these followers of Jesus have in common is, I want to point this out, you find over and over again that these people spent the early morning hours with God. Not late at night. Not while you're driving to work and somebody cuts you off in traffic and you just have to apologize. Hey, God, I'm sorry for what I just said there, but let's keep going. But staying focused, having time with him when the sun comes up. If all you got is late in the evening, then go with that. By all means, but when it comes to late at night, the only thing I'm thinking about is going to bed. And my mind is not ready to, to be with God. So I'm mostly concerned about everybody else. Checking the phone, looking at the sports scores, seeing where flames are in the standings. But those early morning hours when your mind is fresh and you can think clearly and, and that steep tea or coffee starts to course through your veins, then you spend time with God. Those quiet hours, talk to him, pursue him. Let your prayer be, God, I want to know you. I want to know you more. Let your focus and your devotional time not be a time to go in and get information and, and, and write a sermon or prepare a devotional, but go there to hear from God for your life and listen to him. Listen to what he's saying through the scripture. Connect with him. And when you get into those times... Uh, and you're like me, well, a couple sermons ago, I talked about our identity in Christ. Focus on that. If, if we knew our identity in Christ, it would change everything. And I, I keep this identity card I got from Camp Caroline when I was out at summer camp. And, she, and the prayer counselor said, Freddie, I know you're dealing with a lot of things, but you don't even know who you are in Christ. And she gave me this to put in my wallet, and I pull this out when I'm struggling. And it reminds me that I'm accepted and I'm secure. And it's got truth after truth after truth in the scriptures of, I am God's child. I'm Christ's friend. I've been justified. I'm united with the Lord. I'm a saint. I've been adopted as God's child. I'm complete in Christ. It keeps going. 
I've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I'm born of God. The evil one cannot touch me. You get those things going. If you don't know your identity in Christ, text me, call me, ask me. I'll get you something to study. And in the early morning hours, you can pursue him. Be consumed with Jesus. Because the more that your mind is set on him and chasing after the things of God, the more your life is going to change. You'll begin to find out God will and can change your life. Not because you pulled up your socks and you just, you did better. But because God's spirit is working in you and transforming you. He's living in you and he's going to live through you. That's how you master your mind and begin to live differently. So if you didn't get all of that, you can listen to last week's sermon. This one will be uh, online. Dana puts them on every week. You can go listen to that. But my friends, in, in order to have real true life change, your mind has to change. You have to have your mind seeking the things of God, set your mind on heavenly things, and then Jesus must practically become your life. If we set our mind on things above It'll make all the difference. So we close with the big idea. The big idea that started these last two messages. Knowing what we believe determines how we think, act, and live. So I'm going to continue going through the book of Colossians. But now it really speeds up because we've got the belief part down. Now chapters 3 and 4 is going to be all about how you can live righteously. And it's going to give practical steps on being a Christian and living out your faith. So that's what we're going to be coming into. I'm going to close in a word of prayer, and then we'll sing a hymn, and then we'll be dismissed. So let's pray, and then we'll invite up Dawson to close us in a singing of Be Thou My Vision. Let's pray. Good and gracious Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the word that you give all of us. Um, it's a privilege and an honor to be able to crack open the living word of God and to know that we're not going to have to figure it all out on our own. We have the Holy Spirit of the creator of the universe within us who follow Jesus. And Lord, I ask that that Holy Spirit continue to transform each of us. We have people in here that are gone through some tremendous times in the last little while. Other people are experiencing joy, some sadness, difficulties. But the Holy Spirit meets us where, we're, where we are. And so that's my prayer for my brothers and sisters is that they connect with the spirit inside of them. So when they do go to bed at night, they can trust that you are in control. They'll have that peace when they get up in the morning that you're going to take care of their problems. You're going to send people. You're going to put the right people in our path that, that are going to be there to support us. And God, when we need a word from you the most, you're going to reach out and, and let us know that you're there. Father, I thank you that sometimes it's as simple as letting my little light shine. Father, I love you. Thank you for teaching us in your scriptures. And thank you for the opportunity to come here, worship as a family. Jesus, we love you. And all of God's children said, amen. All right.